Hello everybody and welcome back to the Be Europe show. I'm Mireya. And I am Stefanos from Eurodesk. And we're very happy to be here again for the 12th episode, which today takes us on a virtual journey to Luxembourg, a landlocked nation located in Western Europe, right along the tripoint of France, Germany and Belgium. Stefanos, do you know the official name of Luxembourg? Wait, it's not Luxembourg? No, I actually didn't know neither. But the official name is the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg. And the country is sometimes referred to as the Green Heart of Europe because there's a lot of nature in it. And the capital is Luxembourg City. Ah, oh yes. Uh, the capital also acts as one of the three capitals of the EU and holds the European Court of Justice, which is the highest judicial authority of the European Union. And do you also know that Luxembourg is one of the smallest countries in the world? Yeah, well, but it's not the smallest one. I think the smallest one is the Vatican City. I think, I think you are correct, right? Yes. But actually, Luxembourg is also the country with the smallest population site in Europe. And this is not everything. Nearly half of Luxembourg's population are immigrants. Being the country with the highest percentage of expats of all Europe is a home to people from over 170 different nationalities. Wow, that's a lot of different nationalities. And I think that Luxembourg is also one of the richest countries in the world. I think there are over 150 main banks and many companies that they have their European headquarters there. It's crazy. And we should not be fooled by the size of the country, I would say, because there's a lot of things to visit in it. As I said before, it's full of nature and it has over 100 castles. Wow, and of course, we should not forget about the food. I mean, you cannot live there from the country without trying. They are thick soup consisting of green beans, potatoes, bacon, or their crispy fried potato cake. I can tell you it's delicious. Oh, wow. But maybe if you, if you want to, to visit Luxembourg, the best day will be the 23rd of June. Yeah, I think uh, that it's the Luxembourg's national day. And probably there's celebrations all around with a lot of events and activities. No, no, it, it must be amazing. But uh, for now, I think it's time to introduce today's guest, Leslie. Hello. Hi. Hi, Leslie. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. And you? Good. Happy to have you here. Um, Leslie, can you introduce uh, yourself? Uh, yes, so I'm 25 years old, uh, I was born and I'm still living uh, in Luxembourg right now and uh, what I most like to do is obvious is traveling and I think that's what we are talking about right now. Yeah, I think the, all our episodes have kind of a traveling vibe, but Leslie, your surname uh, Barbosa Lima doesn't sound very Luxembourgish to me. What, what are your origins? I was born here, but my parents are from Cape Verde. They immigrated when they were like 15 years old. And since then we are living here. Cape Verde is it's a country made of 10 isles. And my parents are from the Isle, the Isle sorry, I don't know how to say that word. <laughs> and the Isle's name is Santo Antão. And they both from the from the same one. Wow. Um, did you visit the island? 
Yes, I went a lot of time actually when I was little. I also went by myself to do like a little bit visiting and know a little bit about my culture and my family. Do you still have family there? Yes, I think half of my family is still there. There's not a lot of people here in Luxembourg, but I have actually like family in whole Europe. Like they're oh. really spread. <laughs> and what are you doing right now in Luxembourg? Right now I'm working as a marketing manager in an events company. So I take care of the website since we also sell products. So I have to see every day if someone purchased something, get it for delivery and everything. And I also do the social, social media, Instagram, YouTube, everything. Do but you I'm follow? One, sorry. <laughs> I was oh, just going to say that uh, I'm just one person. So I have a lot to do in one day. No, no, of course. But uh, do you follow Eurodesk on uh, social media? <laughs> you know, uh, yes. Instagram, TikTok? Yes, I actually do, but with my personal account. And today we, wa we wanted to do a bit of different approach because normally we start directly asking about the experience. But I wanted to ask you first a general question. What do you think are the most important things you learn from traveling or living abroad? I think the most important, I would say, to be independent. Well, I mean, if you're traveling alone, of course, because when you're not with your parents, to be also organized. I yeah. learned that it's the time that it's very important. <laughs> and that in the world, there's like so many cultures and sometimes you need to be aware of how they live or how they see things before you go, because for... Uh, Like in Europe, there's not a lot of countries where you have to be really aware. For example, for Spain, I don't think you need to be like aware of something that would be, how you say that, an offense to someone. But for, for example, when you go to Japan or Korea, you need to be aware of some things before you go. Yeah, so is that you? Yeah, you need to learn a bit the culture of the other country yeah. because maybe what is normal for you in your country, it's not normal and maybe not well seen in the other. Yeah. So it's good to do a bit of research. Yeah. And also, I guess you do, you do a lot of things for first time, or at least this was my, my experience when I went abroad. I did a lot of things for my first time because, yeah, at home I do. I was doing tasks like helping in the a bit cooking and helping having yeah. this, you know. But I remember a lot of my friends that they were struggling to put the washing machine. Yeah, to do laundry, to go shopping, get groceries, to pay the bills. That's true. Learned, yeah. I learned also a lot of these things because when you were at home, Like you're always with your parents, so you're just helping, but you're not really caring about the things. You just wait for them to tell you to do it. But yeah, it was difficult at the beginning to see that it's dirty and everything. And you have to tell yourself, okay, this day I have to clean. This day I have to do groceries because either way I can't eat. Or there's so many things to think that I say, I tell to myself like, okay, my parents do a lot of work at home actually. <laughs> And yes. I should do more. It seems nothing. And then when you have to do it, it's like, oh, actually, it's a lot. I was also struggling a lot with the groceries because at my home, like with my family, I used to go always every Saturday. Saturday was the day of the groceries. We we're going to the supermarket, but we were buying for five. 
So when I moved and I was going to supermarket, I was still buying for five. And then I had to like a lot of food that was expired. I was eating. I remember one day I had super bad stomach <laughs> and then I had to learn like, okay, do your list just for one person <laughs> and the things that you learn on the way. And which are the things that you always need to have with you when you're traveling or going abroad? There's actually a lot of things, but I think mostly like, first of all, are your important papers. That's the number one. What I need is all my electronic gadgets, like my computer, my phone, the chargers that go with it. Also money, enough money, like for emergency, because you never know what can happen when you're there. Maybe you do something wrong and then you have to pay. I think also things that make you feel like home or like yourself. Like, for example, there's stuff that are not important, really, but they give you some comfort when you're because when you travel and you go alone, you're by yourself. So you have to feel comfortable and also bring a little bit of yourself so the other people can also connect with you. Maybe you like, for example, with books, I always like to bring my my books. So when I. I read something, someone can say, oh, I read the same one. So we have the same interest. It's a way to create connections too. Exactly. And what are the difficulties that you may encounter when you're traveling or living abroad? When I was living abroad, the most difficult thing was to save money. Because here in Luxembourg, you also always used to have a little bit more money than in other countries, for example. And I was struggling to spend my money correctly. Like when you're trying to fit in, like you go out, you don't really think about, "Mm, I I don't have that much money actually. So maybe I just go out once a month, but you don't do that at the first time. You just think, oh, I have to connect with people. So I will pay for a restaurant, for going out and everything. And that was the most difficult. At the end of the month, you're like, okay, your parents crying. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's awful. It was the same for me the first because it's also what they tell you. You have to say yes to everything. So you meet, you will meet a lot of people because if you are already arrived and you say no, people will not connect with you. That was my mentality. But then, yeah, the first month I was like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Exactly. But it's in the hard times that you actually learn a lot about yourself. So it's a good lesson. No, indeed. And I guess um, we ask you all this question about traveling because you participated in volunteering projects through the European Solidarity Corps program. Can you tell us a bit about your experience? Where did you go and which projects did you do? And what were your tasks during those projects? So I went to Tenerife to do a volunteering work for the Atlantic, uh, sorry, I never know the name. It's AWDF, but I never know the whole (laughs) word. Atlantic uh, Well and Dolphin foundation it was um, actually for the we were working for the conservation of the whales and dolphins because in Tenerife in the sea there they are like like the tourists go mostly there to see like the dolphins the whales with the whale watching boats and we were 
actually studying the behavior of the animals when they are close to the boats, far from the boats, when like in the morning, how they behave, how it's when there are more people in the sea, for example. And we also like in the morning, we would wake up and go to the sea with the, with uh, the small boats that we had. And we would like to photograph the whales and the dolphins, like from far distance to be, to not be too invasive. And we would see like in the, like the dolphins and whales they have in the back, they have like a, how you call that? I forgot that word. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. How do you say that in English? I have no idea. Yeah, I think I know it in Greek as well, but I don't know the English uh, word. <laughs> it's the... non-native speakers here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sometimes, like through the years, um, you see that they have like uh, they have like nicks. It can be like uh, bigger or smaller, or some doesn't have one because the boat cut it off, or oh. they're very injured. So we we try to identify them, and in the amount of time, we can see how it suffered during these years. Because the research started like, I don't know how many years ago, and they still like have the research and every year they try to see what happens and to prove also to the tourists that some whale watching boats are not protecting the animals and can be very dangerous also. And I saw also sometimes when we were in the sea with our, with our boats, we would yeah. see that like other boats with tourists, they would see one dolphin like five meters away. And they would go like faster to really go to the dolphin and like they don't think about they could hurt them. It's not because you see one dolphin in like in the surface that there's nothing under. It yeah. could be children, like the kids from the, the dolphin and everything. And sometimes it was really sad to see stuff like that. But yeah, we had a lot of projects to make people aware. And it was really interesting for me to, to see also because I didn't think about that before. I always yeah. thought... We were watching boats, so they are aware that it can be dangerous, so they stay at distance, but they actually don't care. They just care about the money. Yeah, that's true. And also, like, as a tourist, maybe at the moment you are not thinking about it because you are, like, excited of seeing yeah. a dolphin or a whale that maybe it's an animal that you normally don't see. But sometimes we should really take our time and think, is it that good what we are doing right now? Yeah. So I think that I think programs, projects like that are really important. And how do you learn about this project? I was actually working at the youth agency, Anish, in mm -hmm. Luxembourg. And I also did an internship there. Then I was working there. And while I was working there, I saw that there are so many opportunities to like go abroad, travel, do volunteering. And I was like, wow, I have to do that. And my mentor, uh, Leah, she told me a lot about it and she she told she asked me if I wanted to do one and gave me like the links with the projects that could be interesting for me. I told her, for example, that for me it was important to be in a country that I never that I never was. Um, also a country that it's not too close to Luxembourg because I can go there with the car and I already know a little bit what's around. That's how I learned about the project that I could do in Tenerife. And do you specifically choose this project or it was just because of the country? No, I wanted to have a project that is interesting for me because I also love animals. So I, I was like, 
I want to do something or with animals or that's had, or that has like some connection with art or something. And at the end, I ended up doing both of them because there we also we were also doing like uh, flyers for to make on the boats for okay. to to make the tourists aware. So I was able to do a little bit of art also. What did you study, by the way? I studied here in Luxembourg. But what? Ah, uh, marketing, sorry. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, I was curious because at the beginning when you started to talk about the project, I was like, I don't know, maybe you studied something related with animals. and But then I thought, no, that, you, that your work was not really related with that. So I was curious. But it's nice, like you, you were doing the flyers, you were doing a bit yeah, of marketing. Yeah, so yeah, it was a bit connected. Yeah. Before the before I went to Tenerife, I had a call with the director, and like he had already the tasks that volunteers do, but he also cares about what could you bring. Like we had some people that had nothing to do with it, like they would they were in school to do uh, photography or cinema, and they were using actually their skills also for the volunteering work that wasn't a task, but that after that was a task. Yeah, I think it's nice to to listen to the volunteers to see what they can do because maybe it's something that you're not doing at the moment, but it can improve. So I think it's really uh, interesting and really good that they do that. And thinking back during your experience, uh, what uh, has marked you the most? What marked me the most was like to be like the first time I went with the boat on the sea. I was so afraid because I'm actually a little bit afraid of to be in the middle of the sea because I always like to be like where the sand is. And I, it was so overwhelming. But when I saw the the, the dolphins and, and the whales, I was paralyzed. I was it was such an emotion like I started to cry even though I don't know why but it was so like how can it be so close how it really exists like you just see it in the movies or something and here in Luxembourg there's no sea so I never saw that and then I was it was like the first time that I had such an emotion for something little like it wasn't somebody dying or something but it was really emotional and I'm not that emotional normally I think it was the mix of situation too. You were in a really completely different place and this thing that you never experienced before, sometimes it just like shock you. Yeah, seeing something that you never, never saw before. Yes. can be shocking. And is this your best memory too? Or do you have another best memory of this experience? I have a lot of good memories, just like also the people, to see like so many people from different countries and to know a lot of new things. Also the times that we spent together, because actually it was a big house where we were and it was a little bit chaotic. It wasn't such a big space, but we were like 30 people. We were like seven in a room. So we had so many experiences like at night or something like like stuff happening. So like people talking in there when they're sleeping, yeah. stuff like that, that I never experienced. I never like, I don't have brothers at home or something. So I'm used to be alone and mm -hmm. it was so difficult, but good at the same time to be with so many people. But it was really funny. And did uh, this experience change the way you see Europe? 
Yeah, it changed the way I see Europe because I always thought like it would be a little bit like Luxembourg, like big buildings, everything super tidy, a lot of shops, supermarkets, big supermarkets and everything. And Tenerife actually reminded me a lot of Cape Verde and it's actually not that far. No, it's true. Yeah, but I didn't expect that. I expect it to be a little bit, a little bit like Spain because, like Tenerife, it's yeah. So as uh, for me, everything was the sp- was the same in Spain, but not at all. Like how can like I was in Barcelona and then I go to Tenerife. I was like, how is that possible? What is yeah. happening? So yeah, I was. It was strange, but I was happy because to see the differences, to also feel a little bit like I'm in Cape Verde. Now we come to the to the most difficult question. What does it mean to be European for you? I don't really know what it means because I I didn't really live in a country that wasn't in in Europe. But I think it means. But first of all, you think about that you have like more advantages than other countries. For example, the USA, you think, okay, there's like a lot of stuff happening. You have to pay for hospital, for example, that you don't have to do here. Also traveling is so much easier in Europe than when you go somewhere else. And also I actually went to USA when I, when I was younger. And it's really different to see that, for example, in USA, It looks, how can I explain that? It's, uh, I feel like in other countries um, out of Europe, it's like a mix from, like, it looks like Europe, but like the people and everything, it feels like you're on vacation. Because here, people are very sometimes close-minded. They, we don't see so many different styles or type of people when we are here. And when we go, like, abroad, we... Like people are so open, you can connect so easily. It's like a whole different world. It's really different, Europe and the rest. And how do you think that people from Luxembourg see Europe, young people from Luxembourg? I think like, first of all, as a secure place, maybe because of the advantages, they feel like Europe is above the other because you have more advantages, you can travel so easily. And also people from other countries also tell us, yeah, like, oh, you're so lucky to be from Europe, but you don't really know how what it is to be here. So it's like idealizing something. Like mm-hmm. we think when you go to America, you live like the American dream. And also I think that um, because Luxembourg, it's small and in the middle, like You have three countries that you border with, and there's a lot of people of these three countries coming to yours, to Luxembourg. This European thing, maybe it's more common, because in Spain, I was talking with some of my friends, and maybe because it's the peninsula, it's not that super well connected with the rest of Europe. So this thing of being European, maybe it's not that present, because we are not used to... and. If you're not from a big city like Barcelona or Madrid, you maybe are not used to meet with people of other countries. But you probably in Luxembourg, you are really used to it because every day there's, I don't know how many, 200,000 people from Germany, Belgium and France coming to work. So it's like normal for you. 
It's true. Like, yeah. And you can speak like so many languages in one day, like depends on the person that you're talking with. And even I, I, I am from Luxembourg, but I also consider as Cape Verdean. So I'm not just Luxembourg, my, uh, Luxembourgish myself. For me, this is crazy because from where I am from, it's a small place. There's not a lot of people. I live, I live really in rural area and I'm from a small village in Catalonia. So I speak Catalan normally always. This is the only language that I use. And suggest you that say, yeah, I'm used to speak like several languages in one day for me. It's like, what? <laughs> You know, now I'm used to yeah. it because I live abroad. But when I was in my village, I was just using Catalan. Yeah, I think because, yeah, since I'm a baby, like I was already talking like three languages. So totally normal for me. And Leslie, how do you see the situation of young people from Luxembourg regarding access to different kinds of opportunities? Are they interested, for example, to participate in um, Erasmus Plus Youth Exchange, Solidarity Corp or, or any other youth opportunities? I think that young people from here would obviously want to have this this kind of opportunity to go abroad, learn about other cultures and everything. But they are not really aware of the opportunities. And I think that's the work that they're doing at the youth center, like really trying to communicate that to, to the young people here. But I what I... From what I experienced with my friends, I think that there are also a lot of youngsters here that don't really, they want to travel, but they are too afraid to go by themselves and have this kind of experience because they are used to have everything. Like, for example, some of my friends could never volunteer and be in a room with seven people or try to speak English the whole day. Yeah, they're not the adventurous. I'm actually the only one. <laughs> I can understand. Like, they like to travel and to be like in a hotel and have everything they need what is I think normal because you're used to like a, a life standard here but I think also there's a lot of people that could like it like I loved it yeah actually I was having a talk with Leah that you work with and she told me that sometimes what they 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 feel is that people there's a lot of young people in Luxembourg that goes to university to Germany or to Belgium or to France because in Luxembourg there was not that much offer. So maybe just because they are very used to go to university outside, they don't feel the need of saying, okay, now I'm also going to do this experience abroad. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think that is true. I, um, like I couldn't go study outside. So I absolutely wanted to do volunteering work and other opportunities to, to go out of Luxembourg. Mm -hmm. But I think I would still do it even though I would go study outside. Because when you study outside, you're just in that country. So you, you're living there, experiencing the life there, but you don't see anything else. For me, it's not enough. <laughs> I think we are arriving to our last question. And this is the question that we do to everybody. And I love to close all the podcasts with it. And is what advice will you give to the young people? To travel as much as they can. And if they are not sure about what they want to do in the future, for example, to just go to another country for a volunteering or I don't care what. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, just live in another country and learn about yourself because you can just do that when you are by yourself. Exactly. You have to learn a bit and be with yourself and then it will like it's a healing process, I would say. Yeah. Also sometimes. Never so. learn how to yeah, how to live uh, alone and how to take care of yourself alone without yeah. without your parents. So Leslie, thank you very much for this final advice and for being here part of this podcast. It was really nice. Thank you, you too. And to the audience, Stefanos, do you want to say something? Um, to the audience, I want to say that uh, thank you for um, uh, listening to us and watching us. And we have two more episodes left, more. I think, and uh, then the, the Be Europe show will come to an end. It's Christmas time and Be Europe is also going to Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> So see you, thank you, Leslie, again, and see you all in the next episode. Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.